My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. And you thought your final few days in work before breaking up for Christmas were stressful. Well, if you're Mark Meadows, trying to figure out how to get a little and Aldi in one evening is the least of your worries. On Tuesday, the House of Representatives voted to hold the ex-president Donald Trump's former chief of staff in contempt of Congress and refer him to the US Department of Justice for prosecution after his refusal to testify to the select committee investigating the Capitol riot. In a week when it's been hard to keep track of anything but COVID-19 over here, we are delighted, as always, to have the Sunday Business Post US correspondent, Today FM regular Marion McKeown here to walk us through what exactly took place in America this week. Later on, she will give us her pick of her favourite political books of the year. So if you still are looking for gift ideas, I know I am, you'll need to hear that. We will also get an update on the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, if briefly, and her top three conspiracy theories of 2021. I think I'm looking forward to that the most. You are, of course, listening to the Irishman in America podcast, our Friday podcast from the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network. This is the fun size version of this episode to hear the full thing every week and all our episodes, archive and bonus content and to support the show. This Christmas, take five minutes to sign up via the Patreon app available in every app store or visit patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Well, Marion, the more we learn about what Donald Trump and his aides heard and did on January 6th, I feel like it's the more clearly we understand exactly what happened and why. But these newly disclosed text messages sent to Mark Meadows show Trump's family, his media allies and people inside the US Capitol begged him to call off the attack, but were ignored for most of the day. But do they, this is my question to you, do they confirm that Mark Meadows was at the centre of what unfolded that day? You know, I think they do, Charlotte, because basically, I, Mark Meadows, you know, where do you begin with this guy? He was Mr. Benghazi, uh, one of the, the top guys who went after Hillary Clinton over Benghazi, uh, which, you know, everybody really knew was not her fault. She was the Secretary of State. She wasn't in charge of the CIA. She wasn't in charge of security in Libya. Um, but they saw the opportunity and they went and went. And he really led that charge with uh, Trey Gowdy and Jim Jordan and a couple of others. And now he, he became Trump's chief 
chief of staff almost by default because basically he'd been through everybody else. <laughs> it wasn't a deep bench to begin with. Hmm. And like, he'd fired four or five people before him. And, it, you know, you, he knew at Meadows he would get the ultimate yes man, the guy who would repeat his conspiracy theories until the cows came home, pass them on to other people and just say, yes, yes, yes. How high would you like me to jump? And that is the last job that that a chief and staff a chief of staff is supposed to be there was a terrific book written called the gatekeepers now the author's name i it now escapes me but anyway it's written about chief of staffs throughout history who was like really great who was awful and um you know i think mark meadows goes into a category of his own basically because he really as i say he he was so afraid of trump and so afraid of his displeasure that anything trump said he would just repeat it and then circulate it in triplicate and as i said the job of the chief of staff is to put order on the white house to stop the crazies from getting to the president to only let things that are absolutely relevant to policy and to his agenda get to his desk and to really, you know, put the brakes on and, and, as I said, and keep the trains running on time. And Mark Meadows did everything but. Now, we saw January 6th. Um, it, and it's not just January 6th. Of course, it, that did not happen in a vacuum. You had back as far as last summer we spoke about it, even last April, May um, 1920, Trump saying, look, this election's rigged. This election's rigged. If Biden wins, it's going to be rigged. If I win, it's not. You know, so basically you couldn't win. And Mark Meadows was repeating that and circulating it all around Congress and for everybody that, you know, unless Donald Trump won, it was proof positive that the election was rigged. And of course, then Donald Trump didn't win the election and, and the conspiracy theories and the stolen election and the foreign leaders and Hugo Chavez back from the dead and the Italians and every crazy theory you can imagine that, you know, Dominion, the voting machines were, were first of all, they were inherently screwed up. Then they were just corrupted by dead people and living people and foreign governments. Then all the votes were sent to Germany to be counted. And of course, they counted them wrong deliberately before they sent them back. So there were all of these theories going around. And Mark Meadows, this is before January 6th, was helping to amplify them and whip them up. And, you know, the, the story was, and I'd heard this, that basically anything that was crazy, normally a chief of staff would say, go home, go home, lie down in the dark room, have a cold bath and it'll all pass. Uh, but Meadows was going, oh, God, yeah, I must tell that to Trump. And then Trump was hearing things and saying, you got to tell that to Meadows because, you know, th this was the kind of circular firing squad of rumours and paranoia that was being fueled by each other. Anyway, it turned out that Lynn Cheney, who you have to say, Lynn Cheney, I think, is playing a very long game here. We have, again, we spoke, Jarlath, about the, the select committee. Initially, what um, Congress had tried to do, when Republicans were still mildly shocked by the events of January 6th, there was talk about setting up sort of like a post 9-11, a bipartisan commission where Republicans and Democrats would come together and would say, what happened here? What led to it? How how did we react on the day? What lessons do we need to learn to stop it happening again and also to react in a similar situation? Well, within a, you know a couple of days, that all fell apart and Mitch McConnell decided, oh no, we don't want any of this. There's no need for this. You know, January 6th was just a couple of high-spirited patriots, basically, and variations on that. Well, it turned out then that, that um, the Republicans just pulled away, which I always thought was a bad move. Uh, 
uh, because that left Democrats free to set up their own select committee. They invited Republicans to join. Only two Republicans joined, which was Lynn Cheney and Adam Kissinger. And now you have this committee, which has full power of subpoena. And FD had initially ridiculed and said, oh, this isn't going to go anywhere. It's going to be just another of these committees. Well, it is actually getting places. And Part of the reason it's getting places, it has not been slow to um, go after people to vote um, for for censure, to vote for criminal contempt and to hold people responsible who decide to ignore it or not to turn up or to try and thwart its its, um, procedures. Now, Mark Meadow, Steve Bannon, of course, we know, um, decided that he was going to become a martyr for Trump, that he was going to ignore this committee and he did so at his peril. He's now been indicted by the Department of Justice. He's probably going to face anywhere from between a month to a year in prison. And I think not many people have a whole lot of sympathy for Steve Bannon, even Republicans. But it became more complicated with Mark Meadows because Mark Meadows, as usual, tried to find a place between keeping Trump happy which he sees as his main job, and appearing to to have the semblance of being a, a you know a law abiding elected congressional re- representative, so uh, he then fell between two stools. Initially, he handed the committee a whole load of stuff. And then he decided, because he wrote a book, and in the book he said that, uh, you're probably wondering where all this is leading, but mm. in his book, the reason that Mark Meadows, with he said he would cooperate with this January 6th committee, and then he pulled back. Uh, he had written a book about Trump, and the book was supposed to portray what a hero Trump was, but in his book he wrote about Trump when he had COVID, having red streaked eyes and his hair being a mess. Now, they were <laughs> in a book that is full of gushing praise of Trump and what a hero he is. Trump picked out these literally five or six words and went absolutely batshit and and decided that Mark Meadows was a traitor and how dare he and this is fake news and etc etc. Mark Meadows also pointed out that Trump had COVID and he knew a week earlier and he met about 500 people in the interim. But anyway, that was that didn't bother Trump as much as the fact people would think he was lying in bed with his hair in a mess. So uh, anyway, so so Trump got so angry at Meadows. Meadows decided that he didn't want to, to further stoke Trump's ire by testifying before this committee. So he then pulled back. But as I said, not before he gave them a whole load of stuff. And the, the most of this, and a lot of it was read out by Liz Cheney, uh, were emails and texts that were sent to Mark Meadows, mainly texts on the day of January 6th, from Republican Congress people saying we're under fire here, we're helpless here, uh, you know, the, the doors are being breached. And, like explaining in real time what was going on, but also from Donald Trump Jr. Now, we've discussed Donald Trump Jr. many times in this yeah, show. Yeah, seems like a lovely he, guy. <laughs> he is not a model of sobriety and temperance. Uh, you know, so when Donald Trump Jr. is texting Mark Meadows, interesting that he couldn't text his dad directly. Maybe he doesn't have his direct line. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he, imagine he that, your own dad appointment. ghosting yeah. you. <laughs> I know. It's like, can you tell dad to stop? <laughs> it's, it's, but, uh, But even Trump Jr., who I've seen at rallies and I've seen at his events, there's nothing he likes better than ginning up a crowd and causing people to roar and Mm. get angry and stamp their feet. Like He's a real provocateur. So for him to say, like, this has gone too far, like he needs to put a statement out this and saying that the earlier thing that he had said about the police just won't cut it. You know, for, for Donald Trump Jr. to repeatedly text Mark Meadows pleading with him to get his father to make it stop in some way or other, 
is actually, you know, it shows you A, the degree to which they were aware this was all going on and B, the degree to which they were genuinely alarmed by the turn things had taken. And then the other part of that, Gerald, which I find most kind of insidious and depressing is you had all of Trump's Fox News buddies. You had Laura Ingram and all the rest of the cronies, Hannity, texting Meadows as well and saying to him, you know, you've got to do something about this, make it stop. But then they were on air like almost in real time after that, say, blaming Antifa, they all knew it was Trump supporters. And yet they carried on the lie and perpetuated the lie that these were Antifa plants who had gone in there deliberately to wreak havoc so that the Trump MAGA people would be blamed. Now, nobody really believed that in the first place. It got short shrift from the investigators and everybody. But this was what Fox News saw as their role. When things got out of hand because of, of Trump and because of the whole nonsense that had been spouted since uh, November 3rd. And because of the deliberate ginning up and telling people they've got to fight, they've got to be strong and basically sicking them on Capitol Hill, which was what Donald Trump did that day in the Ellipse um, at that rally. But even though, as I said, Ingram and Hannity and all the rest were aware that this, what happened was the logical conclusion, you might say, of what Trump had done earlier that day. And for weeks and months previously, they still tried to blame Antifa. They still tried they still to prevent ran with to, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they I mean, still knowingly lied and knowingly ran with it because they would do anything to try and protect Donald Trump no matter what. And I think that for me, more than seeing what a hapless clown Mark Meadows is, which we kind of knew already uh, when all of these uh, texts were read out by Liz Cheney, to me, the really not so much shocking, but but yes, shocking in some ways was that these that Fox News knowingly ran with a lie, even though they knew at that stage, and we know they knew because they'd been in touch with Meadows, and uh, they still continue to perpetuate the lie that it was Antifa, that this was all a plot by the left to discredit these loyal Trump patriot supporters. So yeah, I mean, but as you say, Meadows ca- he 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 can't get anything right because now he's been um <laughs> he, he, the 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 Congress has now voted to 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 indict him or to cite him for criminal contempt anyway. So he's he's ticked off Trump. He's ticked off Congress. He's probably ticked off the Department of Justice because the last thing Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, wants is to have to deal with this is a much stickier wicket than Steve Bannon because, you know, uh, Mark Meadows was Trump's chief of staff. And, he, you know, you have to wonder how far does executive privilege go, even if Trump can't claim it retrospectively. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's all a sticky mess at the moment. And Mark Meadows is in the thick of it. And he also, I think, will go down. It was actually Chris Whipple who was the author of The Gatekeepers. And the, the full title is How the White House Chiefs of Staff Define Every President presidency. Uh, And he uh, did say that Mark Meadows, like, again, like I was saying earlier, that they almost need to invent a whole new category for him. He was so awful. So there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. 
a lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.